This is Triathlon Therapy with your host, Danny McKenna, professional athlete and coach, Tim Reed, and... That's too much time. Look at Steve McKenna. Steve, what are you doing, Steve? That's too much time. Advantage Reed. Let's go. We just gotta go hard. Braden, thanks for coming on to the podcast today. Earlier, I was on the PTO website looking at your results and scrolling through the last few years. And outside of a couple DNFs due to sickness, you just cannot find a poor result. You're clearly one of the most consistent pro athletes on the scene, and you've gained a reputation to be a real tough and gritty athlete who leaves everything out on the race course. Recently at Ironman Cairns, you crushed the course record and ran a 237.44 marathon. Thanks again for coming on today. And how's recovery been since post-Cairns? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Good to be here for a yarn. And uh, no, things are going pretty good, really. Um, body's pulled up uh, great, surprisingly. Uh, calves, quads were very tender and sore for three or four days, um, as per normal, uh, to my running form. But, um, yeah, last few days have been pretty crazy and, and feeling pretty good now. Steve, um, I'm glad we, we've had an earlier podcast today and actually we didn't talk at all about Steve's race too. And, um, I mean, watching it, uh, it was like a contrast of someone looking like they were doing it particularly easy and someone, which is normal, like a year ago, you were gritting it out. Like it was almost like the total opposite sensations of at least watching it and uh this year it was steve that just seemed to be really gritting it out and um i was interested whether part of you doing it quite tough last year and part of steve doing it quite tough this year do you think having the world championship so close to cans last year played a role were you a little bit burnt out because it wasn't that long after st george from memory yeah, uh, I thought Steve was going to pipe up there and get to defend himself. You look like shit, but shut up, it's not your podcast. Um, uh, yeah, mate, yeah, no, I took the piss last year, to be honest, like in hindsight. Um, I finished, um, oh shit, sorry, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just got a phone call came through. That's handy. Right, we'll start that one again. Uh, yeah, no, I took the post last year um, with Ken's, really. Uh, I finished at George, went home, had two weeks off, and then uh, went for a couple of little swims, uh, did a week-long sea kayaking trip um, with the crew, and then turned up uh, to Ken's, what, five days out, um, rode my bike, uh, went for a run, and uh, went to race, and yeah, things really. I don't. I thought maybe just with being, you know, fresh and the fitness carrying through from Cairns, things would have been alright. Uh, from St George, things could have been alright, but um, no, the wheels really fell off um, halfway through the marathon, and we probably uh, also attacked the bike. There were probably a lot more accelerations last year in the ride. Um, to be honest, we thought. Uh, we were going to get away, uh, me and Apo, for a while there and uh, split the race up a little bit. Um, so we did quite a lot of work uh, in the bike to 
try and sort of separate ourselves. But um, that definitely led to a very tough run. Uh, Steve, on t- just real quick onto you, mate. You mentioned earlier that it was probably your toughest ever race. Um, what, like, was it was it the, the toughest that you've, you've had, do you think? And um, what do you think about when you're going through, like, an experience like that? Is it, how, how did you get yourself to still get to that finish line? Was it just because you're in second, you're like, I can't let this go? Um, talk me through how you found that race because it looked bloody hard. <laughs> yeah, I, well, easy on the swim and bike, and then all of a sudden the run was just horrible. So 10K into the run, it was it was fine, um, and I was holding back massively. Everyone was saying Braden goes out hard. So I'm going out at a pace where I'm like, all right, I mean, if you know, when you go out at a certain pace and it's easy, you're only going to slow down a certain amount. But 10K in, I started like just overheating a little bit. Um, and then 20K in, I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. That's a good time so far. So if Braden does blow up, then I'm a small chance. And he just wasn't blowing up at all. And it turned out that I was asking where third place was a few Ks later <laughs> because my cramps began and um i think i just need to do some more heat stuff because that was pretty horrible I, i'm not going to blame port mac or anything um because i didn't i felt great swim and bike and the start of the run was fine too it wasn't like leg soreness or anything it was just um for the first time in a while uh like um yeah just just like overheating and and um in it, and it wasn't even that hot so i don't know what's what made that happen but um it was a pretty easy bike ride um compared to what i expected it was more like a at one point a road race um a cycling road race with um me and Braden living in fear of mike phillips <laughs> what what he might do to um split it up but he um yeah anyway it was tough malaysia's been t- like was tougher so i think i need to figure out heat stuff maybe i don't know it's not even hot so <laughs> i don't know what to blame <laughs> <laughs> um mike is an annoying bastard to race um <laughs> and i really like mike but he is hard to race so he was a bit like that because i've always found he's just hard to do do any turns with he'll attack you at the times you don't expect he's he's just a real sneaky racer um in a good way um and was he a bit like that out there did he was he hitting you guys pretty that's, hard that's the <laughs> word that Braden used i went past <laughs> and mike took the lead and Braden goes, Steve, watch him. He's very sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> and he is. He's sneaky. So it was just stressful for half an hour where we thought he was going to keep doing these. Um, you know, like I think I grabbed a gel, started sucking it back through an aid station and grabbed some water. And that's when Mike just went boom. And all of a sudden we were sprinting for a finish line. Um, 50k into the race. I don't know what Braden. Braden, how many risks were you going to take? How many times were you going to let Mike do that and follow it? Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, I obviously just would have seen how strong the attacks were. Um, he definitely went pretty hard that one, and I think riding as a as with there was sort of two or three of us, uh, or three of us in that group, and PJ on the back. Um, so it was a bit harder for him to kind of use the surprise element um, where I in New Zealand, when it was just me and him, um, he could sort of just leave me dangling on the front and uh, hit me from the get go. So uh, 
yeah, it was. Uh, it's always funny racing with Mike. He uh, is a phenomenal athlete, and some of the things he's done is incredible. And you know, the marathon when he pulled off that two thirty nine at New Zealand um, was absolutely amazing. He broke his arm at the same time. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's always good value, and uh, you've just got to be on your game and uh, ready for him to strike. Um, and yeah, I guess I was sort of hoping that that, uh, that effort wasn't going to go on for too much longer. <laughs> it was surprising that um, we rode, it must've been a good day um, because we rode not a slow time on that course. And I didn't feel like we ever really put that much effort into doing that. And there was a lot of games being played at, for that period where I thought, oh, this is 10 minutes we've lost. I reckon everyone's going to catch us. And we were still putting time into people. Yeah, I think that there was, uh, we didn't ride overly hard, um, obviously. It was just, we, we did end up riding relatively consistent, I think. Um, so even, you know, it felt uh, a little bit easier, but um, I think it was still consistent riding. Um, I think for me, whenever I was on the front, I was definitely doing, you know, what I'd see is my Ironman power and a little bit over. Um, and so, yeah, I think Mike was the same and you were the same too. So it wasn't a huge amount of time, um, yeah, bled out within that ride. And, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a really slow ride. Um, that's why I probably never, ever thought of uh, the record being up for grabs because uh, I think when we turned around at Port Douglas that second time, it was it was probably one of the stronger headwinds um, that we've ever had for that was it 60k home from there so um yeah I thought we were going to have a really slow day out um but yeah in the end it worked out all right um I've always given you shit about your um pacing in the marathon um even not not in that only that I've always said I think you can be the fastest runner in the sport um which you're already pretty much proving to be anyway <laughs> but um just that I, I felt like there was a few races in the past where I'm like oh you could see there was a bit of a fade in the back back end and I always wondered what you could do with that just chilling out a bit on the first five or six k did you go I haven't even checked the splits but did you go as mental as usual in that first six or seven k uh nah not really I, I don't think so it depends I, I was sort of hoping to hold about 320 pace for the first 10k um and then you know if I could yeah whatever slowly fade after that then I knew it was going to be all right so um no there was no like that year I raced with Gomez and uh I think me and him were running like 310 pace um (laughs) for a while there side by side early on like in the first couple of k um and I think that's when Trenzo went out the back door uh so yeah, we definitely, I, I kept a little bit of a lid on it, but at the same time, um, I felt pretty comfortable running that pace, so uh, I wasn't too phased. Um, with that sort of, <laughs> you can tell you're, you're in form when you're like, nah, I didn't go crazy, just just ticked off some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, did, um, with that sort of positive pacing plan, like you, you expect to get a little bit slower, do you ever train for that? Like, do you go out and do a session where you, you do smack it out for three tens for 10 then get slower as you go or is it that's not part of the yep yeah 100% I think that's probably the way we've changed a little bit um but yeah probably my my key session uh what a few weeks out was like 12 by a mile at three or 305 pace um and 
yeah, and that was about it. I did one long run um, and, yeah, a few of those kind of efforts um, and just expected that there would be fade. But um, if I could minimise the fade, then uh, it should be a pretty fast time. And um, I'm just going to – I know everyone's asking this. So what what um, ASIC shoes are you running in at the moment for that, for that sort of extreme speed? <laughs> the meta-speed uh, edge. Oh, the edge. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I think people will find interesting is you're not a, um, you don't do mega Ks in training. Well, I shouldn't say that. Your chronic mileage is not that high. Um, can you talk about a little bit how, how you do structure your training in terms of run mileage in particular, um, given everyone's in complete awe of what you did? And, yeah, what, why that seems to work for you? Um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know why it works for me and I, I probably wouldn't prescribe it to many people, obviously, um, it doesn't work for everyone. Um, obviously my background, adventure racing and, you know, multi days racing and we still do like, we do a fair bit of tramping and stuff like that with the kids. So there are like days where I'll go out and do six, seven hours, you know, on the legs kind of thing. So there's conditioning there. Um, but yeah, this this block was definitely even more interesting, um, and I didn't really tell anyone. Um, but just after Christmas, I'd done a couple of really hard long run sessions um, in my carbon ratios, and I sort of pulled up with what I thought was uh, an Achilles injury, and um, it was sort of diagnosed at that point of time as tendinosis, tendinopathy, had it in both. Um, Achilles was really bad running in the mornings, couldn't walk for like five minutes, would hobble around, couldn't move uh, the joint, Achilles wouldn't work. And then um, and then I did Ironman New Zealand, um, took three weeks, four weeks off and got a bunch of scans done and it showed that it was my flexor halogus longus, um, which is a pretty uncommon injury for athletes in a way. Um, so there was a heap of fluid in the sheath, um, inflammation and around the sheath and just in straight kind of overuse injury. Um, but the reason it's actually more of an overuse injury for ballet dancers. Um, so lots of people <laughs> standing right up on their big toe, using their big toe you, all the you time. You also tend to see it. You also tend to see it when people spend too much time cycling with their saddle too high, which is the same as the ballet dancer problem. Yeah. Yeah, and I also wondered. Also, I sort of wasn't running a, a set orthotic in my bike shoe at that point in time too, so I was gripping a lot with my big toe, and I wonder whether that tightened it and, mm. and stressed it more. Um, so I had that injury, and we talked about doing like cortisone and all that on it but I didn't want to go there um I don't really like any kind of injections or anything to get uh, medically done unless I, I really had to um so we stayed away from it and I've only been probably running for the last month um and obviously I started back with the lever the lever run system so just doing a run every second day um with uh with the levers pretty much max 30%, like taking as much load off as I can on the treadmill. And uh, that seemed to work really well. Um, it also allowed me to run kind of the higher paces without the impact. 
Um, so we used that a lot for three weeks. And then, yeah, I started running outside. Um, so that was, yeah, three weeks out from the race, I started running outside again. And that's where I probably, where I did those kind of faster efforts, mile efforts. Um, and we used lactate a lot just to try and figure out exactly where the sweet spots were in those efforts and, and how hard I could afford to push it um, within those efforts and how that would compare to kind of race paces. And uh, yeah, within you sort of, I guess it was sort of four or five hard run sessions. Um, we felt like we were back and good to go. Um, it's interesting. Like, I think people need to really not just think, oh, he got away with running that off very minimal mileage because, you know, as long as I've known you, you've always been a runner and long before that. So I think people, it's really good to know, first of all, um, that there's so many different ways to skin a cat in terms of getting out of fast marathon. But the one thing that underpins everyone's fast marathon is a decade plus of good, solid, consistent running. And mm. for you to be able to... Um, for you to be able to just have that sort of injury and train really not much at all and still pull off that marathon is just a, I guess, a testament to what, how much that base matters. And it's just a patient long-term approach um, that really pays off, not only in yeah. marathon, over the marathon, but in Ironman. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's just rolled on, you know, 10, 11 years now of, of pretty, you know, high, high level professional athlete, whether it's adventure racing or what, um, there's a fair bit of resilience built up in the muscles and a fair bit of conditioning. And yeah. And also I, I seem I think of that one when I ran that 240 or 239 with Gomez and Ken's too. Um, I think I was averaging 40 K a week uh, in that block um, because it was just a, a really early lead in and we had already ticked the Kona box at Ironman New Zealand and it worked. So yeah, I think you can get really stressed about, not having enough volume, but um, yeah, as long as there's a bit of conditioning there, you should be fine. Um, are you still punching out sort of 6K every swim there? <coughs> I remember in Boulder, um, I was sort of impressed with just how, you know, you've never been a pretty swimmer, um, no offence, <laughs> but you just transformed from like oh, the first time we trained in Byron Bay, maybe 12, 13, 14 years ago. I yep. mean, you were struggling to keep up with me and I was a shit swimmer. Um, <laughs> and then you sort of just turned this scrappy, high turnover, strong stroke into becoming one of the best swimmers in the long course triathlon. Um, yeah, are you still punching out the big big Ks every session? Is that where you get a lot of your aerobic conditioning from so you can get away with 40K run weeks, do you think? I think so, yeah. And that was probably a big part of coming to Noosa early. We weren't going to come over to Noosa early. Um, but I knew that if I wasn't running, going to be able to run the volume that I was hoping to, that maybe by being able to swim it would be the aerobic base we'd look for. Um, so, yeah, mate, it, uh, I remember that swim session in Noosa. We did one up in, um, where was that pool? At Clayton Tell? Oh, Austinville. Yeah, Austinville. Yeah. Went up there one time. There was Clayton and Joey and they were all in the pro lane and then there was like you and then there was me and a couple of kids in the like <laughs> pointless pedestrian lane. And I just learned to swim at that point of time. Like that was my first kind of, <laughs> I think that's the first swim squad I'd ever been to. Um, 
other than that, I just sort of sort of learned to swim with Sally. Um, so yeah, things have changed quite a lot, and uh, volume seems to work really well for me. You know, and it's it is it's that crosser. It's low impact, um, but you can get that base from it. Um, and then just swimming here in Noosa with JR, it's just guaranteed like six k is the shorter session. Like it's normally seven, maybe eight k a session. Um, and some people think that that's crazy, and you know that would be damaging to your bike or your run and stuff like that. But um, yeah, for me, I know that if I want to do well at like a world champs, then I need to be in that front swim group, um, and that is going to allow me to maybe be able to ride a little bit easier if I'm in that front group or something like that. So yeah, it um, it seems to work for me, and it's worked, been pretty consistent. Um, that I've been able to make that front bunch for the last, yeah, few years now. What was your tactic, Braden, in Cairns? Um, obviously, just you just led the swim, but um, having me there, I, I would have happily come through and and gone. Let's make this even and and fair, and I'll do I'll do the next lap. But you just kept pushing the pace, and I came up on your kind of on your hip at one point to to do something, and um, I was trying to get rid of. Uh, Mike, who was on my feet, so I was just doing zigzags all over behind you, um, taking him this way and then getting back on your feet. And then one point, I did try to come up a bit closer, and the pace just picked up. And I was like, "If Braden wants to lead, that's fine." But um, do, were you just trying to to get rid of as many as possible and didn't trust that anyone else would um, stick to that pace? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was like I didn't really care. Like I was happy. I didn't care. I knew that no one. I just find like if you've got like an hamburger or something in the race, then he'll split the race up. And like normally, you know, normally I can go with someone like that and uh, and that'll get rid of the mics and um, maybe the PJs and stuff like that that are there. But I'm not fast enough to get away, but I'm quite happy to swim my pace. Um, obviously, I haven't raced against you, Steve, for a long time, so I didn't know exactly how you would have been feeling in the swim um and yeah i guess yes feeling you know that feeling of swimming on feet is uh you always feel really comfortable and then you go out and, and do a turn and realize that it's actually still quite a strong yeah. pace um, <laughs> that yeah. you're swimming so it's uh yeah i was just i mean i was pretty happy and yeah, i was definitely trying uh at a few different places to try and ditch you and shake you as uh we swam through some age groupers but yeah, yeah, obviously <laughs> yeah. managed to uh, stay on my um, beautiful whitewash uh, technique and uh, see my long <laughs> yeah. straight arms flapping around and uh, keep up. Yeah, I could tell it was a tactic. We'd come very close to some age groupers here and there, and I was like, this is exactly what I would do in his position. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it didn't drop. Uh, I was surprised it didn't get rid of anyone else because I, um, I thought it would get rid of someone. Um, but it, it might have been the point where Mike got dropped. I'm not sure, but uh, either way, Mike and me were fighting for your feet at the start, and I didn't trust that Mike would hold them with the pace that you were going. So I'm trying desperately to get there, and all of a sudden I'm like two meters behind Mike. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> Mike's just accidentally swum over me because you was you were zigzagging a bit, and the fact that he um, that would have been fine for most normal sized humans, but I think because I'm so small. <laughs> <laughs> it knocked me it. like 10 meters underground <laughs> under the water <laughs> yeah well, what is he? he must be 80 odd kilos so 
yeah. Um, yeah, he had a bit more propulsion uh, pushing you <laughs> under the water. Yeah. Um, just sort of, I guess, getting a little bit more towards. I mean, you're not you're not young. You've been in the sport a long time. I remember years ago you said, "Oh, I'm here for a good time, not a long time." But it's ended up being quite a long time. <laughs> so, still, right? Is, you're still, is that because you're still having a good time? <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? I uh, I keep thinking that. I keep thinking, oh, two years or a year and, you know, that'll be me. I'll be out. Um, and uh, it's just not happening at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, for me, performances are still happening. Um, I'm still getting results and I'm still going faster and I still think that on my day on a on a world stage that I have the ability to be up there with the best in the world um, so yeah I'll, I'll draw it out for a couple more years and if I feel like things are starting to go downhill um, I won't keep on the tour just to be there so um, it'll probably be a quick pretty quick exit. Yeah I think um I always had the same philosophy. Once I stopped improving, I was like, that's that's sort of the time. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're of the same mindset, but what's crazy is you just keep getting better and better. Um, so when you do, when that time does come, what's what are you thinking? Like, is, it, is there a business that you're interested in? Is it you're going to keep living the adventure lifestyle? What's the plan? Um. Yeah, we've got plenty going on at home, which we're lucky enough. We've been involved in a couple of like property developments that are still in process at the moment. And um, yeah, we've got like a launch at home that uh, is pretty epic and is quite high end. So definitely lots of different like opportunities there to create. Uh, I mean, I used to guide a lot like outdoors wise. So in the mountains and doing hunting and fishing and um mountaineering and stuff like that so i would quite like to go back to guiding clients and using the lodge as well um as part of it and um yeah bit of stuff uh property wise and that'll probably be about me yeah i think um i could see you're still doing some pretty epic exercise related things even if it wasn't you know straight up the, the mundane of ironman racing but i i can't see you i think you sort of, and Sal told it to me a few years ago when I raced in New Zealand, that you're sort of the alpha male in you will probably always need some sort of competition. So that'll be interesting to see whether <laughs> whether you can pull back on competition. <laughs> yeah, I can't see it happening. Um, I think I'll find some way to still uh, find competition. But, yeah, might be more on the surf ski or, um, yeah, back in the mountains or something. What's on so for now? Do you just focus on Nice or have you got other things planned? Um, we're going to go to Milwaukee uh, on the way, pretty much. So, yeah, line up uh, for my first ever PTO race, um, other than Collins Cup. Uh, so that'll be quite interesting and yep. see, yeah, see what it's like racing at that speed again. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I haven't even done a lot of halves in the last few years, so... Uh, even that, yeah, distance is uh, a bit of an unknown just at this point in time. But, yeah, so we'll line up there. Uh, what's that, five weeks away, just under five weeks. And uh, and then we go to Europe and we'll do an altitude camp um, for just under a month. 
and then we'll go to Nice. Um, I think we're there just over two weeks out from Nice, so sort of do that last sort of five, six days in Nice on the course um, for race day. Sweet. Steve, do you have anything before we get on to, to listener questions? Yeah, I wanted to ask, um, uh, with with this next block, um, you'll probably be carrying that um, injury, not injury, or niggle still, um, I'm guessing. We, in the block that you've just done and in the next one, um, I know that swimming is going to be pretty important for Milwaukee, but does your bike change to make up some run mileage or impact that you're losing as well? Do you go harder or longer and will you for Milwaukee as well? Um, I think we're pretty much on top of the run injury. Like it hasn't flared up from the Ironman, um, which is nice. So it's been pretty much a month of pain-free running and training mornings now. So yeah, we're not too worried about that anymore. Um, so we'll just see, yeah, see what Ben throws in there. But to be honest, I think most of it's going to be more focused towards Nice. Um, and we won't do any kind of real specific training, um, for Milwaukee at the moment, uh, other than trying to make sure we make that front swim group. Is, um, do you think Nice is going to be non-wetsuit? Um, I don't know. Uh, Reedy, do you know, mate? I don't know. Um, uh, wetsuit haven't or wetsuit? that one yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it's non-wetsuit, but I don't know. Um, it's normally wetsuit, isn't it? But it's definitely later than yeah. obviously what it normally is. So, um, yeah, we'll probably... Mm. I always just find that I, I well yeah see you obviously are a better swimmer than me if it's if it's a non wetsuit I'm always like all right I've got to swim a bit more now but I can kind yep. of fake it if it's a wetsuit swim I'm always thinking oh it'll happen based on fitness and the rest is floating anyway. <laughs> yeah yeah you can get away with it a lot more with a wetsuit swim for sure but, um, yeah yeah so we'll see Braden how are you feeling about the Nice bike course because Steve's had a lot a lot of thought about it and um, a lot of discussions and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not overly confident with the Nice bike course, which is probably why you're not, you're not planning on racing it, right? How, how are you feeling about it, Braden? Steve shakes his head, eh? Uh, <laughs> 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 Fuck <right>. that. <laughs> um, uh, oh, as long as it doesn't rain, it'll be good, really. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too faced. It actually excites me a lot more. I mean, I, I hate time trialing. I hate, I hate flat rides. I find nothing. I mean, I even think that's why I lost Ironman New Zealand is I was just so damn bored that um, <laughs> I was like, I thrive I in yeah. another world. Like I was like, oh, yeah, I was so over it. But um, yeah, for me to be able to be out of the saddle and I mean, I spend most of my time out of the saddle, even on a flat course. So um, if I can stand up and, yeah, ride uh, out of the saddle or sit up, then uh, I'll be pretty happy. Um, the sense, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm probably not the fastest uh, compared to what probably some of the Euros are going to bomb that course. Um, but I think, you know, mountain biking background and things like that, and my bike handling skills are really good. Um, and hopefully I can, you know, I don't, I'm not scared of crashing or anything like that. I think it's more, just the the speed that sort of some of the lines that the Euros can take when they're really used to doing those really long descents. But um, I think hopefully the distance, the difference between them and me will hopefully only be 
you know, 20, 30 seconds at worst, not minutes. So yeah. we'll see. And they ignore the, and they ignore the double line rule. <laughs> and they ignore the double line rule, exactly. So, yeah, we'll yeah. see what AFO says about that one. Um, <laughs> I remember just watching it in, in Austria. They're just like straight after the briefing. They're just straight down the hill. There's like the lines yeah. don't exist. Um, and, yeah, I should I, – I, for the listeners that don't know, like you are a phenomenal mountain biker in by triathlon standards. So that's got to help you to go into that, first of all, being able to swim the way you do, but knowing that the descent's a non-issue – in terms of skill wise, that's uh, it's pretty exciting actually. Um, and something different to, like you said, a lot of flat time trials that sort of wear thin after a while. Yeah, I do. I think so. And it means it will change the race like a lot too. You know, you can, I think you can choose to take uh, a lot more risks when it's a hilly course. Like you can be like, right, I'm going to ride this section at 400 odd watts, something to climb this hill. Cause I can where, I don't know, when you're like riding on the flat, I'm pretty much tapped out at a certain <laughs> wattage of what I can produce uh, a lot of the time. So um, the riding just is pretty repetitive and boring. So I think there'll be a lot more attacks, a lot more ability to attack. Um, yeah, a lot more ability to be aggressive. And, and if you see someone hurting, you can yeah try and rip them to pieces. Speaking of that, because I always, you know, I'm a bit the same. I think being a smaller guy, I found it much easier to hold power up climbs out of the saddle and things like that. Was your average power at St. George where, in my mind, I think it was your best world championship ride um, by quite a margin. Was that power quite a lot higher? And you think that's because of all the climbs? Yeah, like if we compare that to the power that I would have created at Cairns, um, then it was quite a lot higher. Um, and yeah, 100%. I think there's just the ability to create power on the climbs is, um, yeah, I mean, I've always been that way. I can create a lot more power uh, on the climbs than I can in, in the time trial position. So it's something we've worked on a lot to try and mimic that to find out why, um, you know, is it my positioning and stuff like that. But I think it's just the fact I've got no glutes, um, barely <laughs> hamstrings. And uh, pretty much the only muscles I've got is quads. So and shoulders um, and arms. So you just yeah, shoulders and arms. (laughs) Nice for some. Cool. So um, yeah, I think uh, that sort of always just is what it is. And um, I could definitely have the ability to create create more power uh, in the climbing position. Um, Uh, One more. Sorry. Sorry, Steve, go. This isn't on the fan question list, because, uh, but I have been asked by a few people to make sure Braden answers this. Um, for age groupers, definitely not pros, because I know all pros will just use a time trial bike. But on Nice, um, there's a few questions coming through just saying, will it be a road bike course for some? Um, and I, I keep telling them uh, that all the pros will use TT bikes. So I would just do that. But they're just asking, what's Braden's take on, is this a road bike course or a time trial? Will they lose more time on the flats and they can't make their decision? Yeah, it is. a <clears throat> It's a really tough one. I actually don't know about that. I think that there will be a few pros use TT bikes. I've definitely heard, uh, use road bikes. Um, I know that there is a company that are there doing testing on course at the moment with an adapted aero road bike with a full TT bar setup on it. That was what um, I was going to say. I think that would be the fastest. Getting a six-kilo yeah. bike with TT front end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's hard to take away the fact like when you 
you know, what are you really about 25 kilos um, dragging <laughs> around the, <laughs> <not anymore>, <laughs> you know, the powder weight ratio changes really quick when you're light and you lose all that, lose all that benefit of dragging a TT bike up the hills. It, it, um, yeah, hundred percent. That's why right. all the best, the best climbers in our sport in the, especially on the long drags, like St. George tend to be more around 75 kilos, not 65. And yeah. it's because of the weight of the TT bike that, the, you got yeah, a bit more strength right. to drag it up a hill, really. Where when yeah. you can work than that, it's it's not going to make too much of a difference proportionally. But you know, I think Patrick Lang's weighing in at sixty kilos right now. Um, so when you're sixty kilos and you're pulling a eleven kilo bike up a hill compared to a six kilo bike, um, yeah, there's a fair bit of difference uh, in that. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm I'm still working on it. I've looked at um trying to adapt up uh felt doing ar uh sort of aero road bike um and put on my kind of custom get dan to print me up some sort of custom bars for it um but then again there is still some flat section like good proportion of flat sections that are definitely a tt bike um tt bike section so um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what evolves of the testing in the next sort of few weeks and um, go from there. Interesting. Cool. That'll make things harder for people, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, to be honest, uh, for the general age group, uh, I'd say a road bike, really. Same. Um, yeah. yeah. With some clip-ons, probably. Uh, good setup. Yep. Um, I just think that they're just going to be able, you know, that one long climb is going to be like a 45-minute climb. Um, and that just doing that in an upright in a decent position and the descents too, you're going to be able to kind of get down on the drops and probably be a lot more aggressive on the descents. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't shy away from it. Yeah. Oh yeah, the beast back, adrenaline pumping through my veins, can't relax, original, I am not the same as these cats, I sting them if they never ever mind and they beeswax, I don't ever cap, but I'm wearing like three hats, never been a First fan question to Brayden, how do you stay so consistent with your performance and still balance family life? Um, I think that's probably my key, is that it is a balance with family life, uh, so yeah, I, I'm obviously I feel very fortunate to be able to travel and have the kids and go on adventures and stuff like that. Um, and if I had to be all in um, and be restricted from that, I'd probably be a really inconsistent athlete. Um, but the fact I can yeah turn up to races, race week, training, and it's just kind of like normal life, uh, I think that definitely helps me be a lot more consistent in my results um and it also yeah for me it settles me a lot um it keeps me grounded a lot more and uh yeah i can be i guess more patient as an athlete and i think i'm sort of a bit of a believer that your mind space or your head space is a lot to do with kind of your physical ability too like it, it crosses over and if you're stressed or upset or and not in a good space then your body will carry information more or you'll get injured more or um you'll be a lot tighter and more restricted so yeah i'm a bit of a if my head's in a good space and i've got good support around me then i, I tend to be a lot more consistent training and racing do you do specific heat prep leading into races like cans um i wouldn't say specific but 
like I did used to do for Kona back in the day um, with the kind of heat chamber. But I do do a lot of sauna work. Um, I actually uh, really enjoy sauna work anyway. I'd do it even if I wasn't a professional athlete. So, yeah, uh, definitely. I'd become a lot more focused on it in the lead up. So I was saunering every second day. Um, and I even sauntered the night before the race, which maybe uh, uh, which was a first time ever, really. And uh, can ask your expertise <laughs> in coaching, really, whether that's an advised um, protocol. How hard? How hard did you push it? Not overly hard, like 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I've I, I found with people doing saunas at night, they, the first few that they do, they don't sleep very well. And then it's like once you're really adapted, it actually, there's some good evidence that it's quite helpful for sleep, um, mm. but it's about doing that once you're in a good place and obviously you've got to rehydrate afterwards and things. But if you're doing it super regularly, I'd say um, probably no problem for a 15-minute stint. Um, I would still be too nervous personally to ever do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, this, is, this, is like, this is killing my confidence hearing how many things that Braden has fucked himself over with and then still beat me by 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you bastard. The, stress, the thing about the stress and racing well is that's one thing I, you seem to manage super well is you are very chilled out, very, very focused at the same time, but it's like – the anxiety of racing doesn't seem to get to you. And, uh, yeah, it's probably why you can get away with <laughs> doing a sauna because you're not stressed about it. <laughs> doing whatever you want. Well, you ten beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always easy, Steve. I can't have ten beers, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get massages leading into races or do you use them at all for recovery post-race? Uh, a bit of both, yeah, pretty consistent with it. Once a week, uh, normally Saturdays as I don't train Sundays. Um, and then, yeah, after a race, I normally can't really get a massage for a couple of days because I'm too ripped to shreds and uh, it hurts too much. And then after that, uh, we're good to go. Last one. Why do you say sex instead of six? Yes. <laughs> it's my favourite number. <laughs> you don't even have to answer that. <laughs> um, you do have. This is a similar one. I always listen to Fitter Radio, and he says performance, but he says performance. Is that a New Zealand thing too? Do you say? Can you just Pro, without? Performance. Yeah. What do you? Can you? Yeah. Is that what you say? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that okay, it's a New Zealand thing. I thought it was just him saying he's like, that was a great performance. And I'm like, it's performance. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming, coming from a guy who says dance, dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we speak properly here in Adelaide. Probably <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Braden, mate. We appreciate the time. Um, I really hope – oh, actually, I want to ask you this. One yep. athlete that you just, l like, love kicking their ass, not that you hate them, not that there's just one athlete that really fires you up for getting you through hard sessions and you just dream of beating them. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't have to be someone you dislike, but is there one athlete out there? Uh yeah, I mean, for me, it would be Christian, really. If I could knock anyone off the blocks right now, I'd be Christian. Uh, yeah, 
personal or professional? I probably don't know well enough to go personal, but uh, yeah, professionally, um, it would just be very satisfying. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm probably I'm probably the polar opposite uh, to who he is, so that'd be quite satisfying. Well, I hope you do knock him off. Um, I haven't had the best experiences with him myself in my brief encounters. Um, I, yeah, we'll all be um, really rooting for you, as they say in America, uh, for Nice, mate, and also for the PTO race. I hope you get a huge bag of cash. Um, always cool to chat to you, and um, congrats again on an amazing race in Cairns. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's, um, yeah, it's been a good uh journey with you you've been able to uh follow it all from my infancy of turning up in byron bay and getting absolutely slaughtered by you guys um to yeah now to see your retirement and uh <laughs> hang out so it's good it's good to chat cheers mate